do feel right at home for several reasons. The people whose houses we, my wife and I have been at this week, we appreciate that. Uh, the weather feels like home. Uh, we get two, about two days a year, anyway, this year of winter, and uh, about 40 degrees, and then we get a lot of weather like this. And uh, uh, normally, though, during the summer, it'll be anywhere between about 90 and 100 plus uh, humidity of about 80 to 90, which means you just stand still and sweat, which is kind of nice because you don't have to do anything but just stand still and sweat. But I do feel at home, and tonight I want to, uh, just for uh, tonight, I want to pretend that uh, I am uh, at home. I want to pretend that I'm at Lighthouse Baptist Church at 3838 Howell Branch Road, Winter Park, Florida. Uh, I want to pretend that it's a midweek service, that I'm your pastor. I'm not. You have a great pastor. Uh, But I want to, just for a minute, pretend I'm your pastor and uh, pretend that you're my church members. And I want to give you a message tonight just like I would give at home. Uh, Many times when I'm at home, when I am home, uh, I try to give messages to explain why we do what we do. And why is it that we do certain things the way that we do? And uh, I want to do that tonight uh, in regards to uh, uh, to soul winning and to church planting and missions. And let me just begin, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. Uh, let me begin by saying that I'm going to be teaching a little bit and preaching a little bit, doing a little bit of both. And uh, you may not know the difference. Sometimes I'm teaching, sometimes I'm preaching. I might just go back and forth. But, but by the end of the night, uh, by about 1 o'clock this morning, I think you'll... Nah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, by the end of the night, you, you should be able, to, uh, uh, be able to say, you know what, I've really learned something, and then take it from there and do something with it. Now, I know that for, from what I understand for Ireland, this weather's a little uncomfortable, but I've got to tell you, it's very comfortable for me. So if I sweat, if I'm drinking a lot of water, don't worry, I'm fine. I won't fall over. I'll be more worried about you. Uh, My big concern is that you fall asleep while I'm preaching. So to make sure that doesn't happen, what I'm going to do is every now and then I'm going to walk by and I'm going to say, knock, knock. And you're going to say, who's there? And I'm going to go, John. And you're going to say, John, who? And I'm going to say, John the Baptist and sprit water at your face to wake you up a little bit. So it, it should, no, I won't do that. Um, we'll actually pour the cup over your head because we believe in total immersion. But anyway, Acts chapter 9, I hope that you'll enjoy this message. Listen to me. On Wednesday night, I came in and people thought I was yelling at you. And on Thursday night, you thought I was crying. And that is true. Wednesday, I was yelling. Thursday, I was crying. Tonight, I'm going to yell, cry, laugh, joke, teach, preach. Pretty much have no idea what I'm doing tonight, and I hope that it's a help to you. Acts chapter 9, very seriously, Acts chapter 9, and let's go to uh, uh, verse number 6. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, And that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. We're going to get into the message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray that tonight the Holy Spirit of God will give me power. Father, you know that that I've prayed this morning and last night and this afternoon that tonight this message would help even just one person in this room. And I would pray that you would 
you would work in many more lives even than that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know of a man from Arklo who was a rough, tough man. Big red beard, big tall guy. Sometimes took six Garda to get him into a police car. He was known as a ruffian. He was known as a tough man. And then one day he met someone who gave him the gospel, maybe our own version of Ananias. We would call him a brother or gorman, but, uh, but an Ananias type, and he gave him the gospel. And this big, rough, tough man with the big red beard fisherman, he got saved. And the people in Arklo said, no way. There's no way. I see Brother Willie come, and they didn't call him Brother Willie. They had names for him, but it was not Brother. And they'd see this big, rough, tough guy coming down the road, and they would not say, here comes the preacher. They would say a lot of things, but preacher was not the word. Amen? Here comes the mean man. Here comes the man that's going to kill me. Here comes the man that's going to tear up the inside of a Garda car. Here comes the man that's going to tear up six police officers. But when he got saved and God got hold of his life, listen to me tonight, people said, there's no way he got saved. There's no way. Thank God for Brother Willie and his conversion. But Willie was taken from Arklo to here, introduced to the disciples here, and allowed to be part of the church here, so that someday Willie can go from here somewhere else with the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just described Acts chapter 9. You see, know it or not, what this church does is what's taught in Acts 9. You take people from where they are, Give them the God. By the way, Acts 9 is where the apostle Paul, who was then Saul, got saved. Amen? So maybe, you know, right now we know Willie is Willie, but maybe someday we'll call him William Allen Stephen Keith. You know, we'll give him all these long names, you know, that kind of thing. The right Reverend Dr. William Allen Stephen, you know, that kind of thing. Pastor William Allen, well, you know, who knows? Who knows? What? My point is, you have, listen, you have no excuse to not understand what I'm teaching from Acts 9, because you've seen it. The man, Saul of Tarsus is in the room tonight. I mean that very genuinely. I love that guy right there. I love his testimony. I love what God has done in his life. But I can picture him, from what I've heard, I can picture him as Saul of Tarsus, tearing up the churches, tearing up the police stations, tearing everything up. And when he got saved, the disciples said, there's no way. Let me say it like I'm from Florida. Taint, no way he got saved. There's no way he, well, he got saved. And he was brought to a church where the disciples were introduced to them. And, and Brother O'Gorman says, now I know this is the big guy with the big red beard. I know this is the man to be afraid of, but I know God's done a work in his life. Everybody hear what I'm saying tonight? Now, can I ask you this? Isn't that the goal of every person to get saved? That they go from what they were to what God wants them to be? That we get them from the street to the local church? Amen. That's the whole idea. By the way, let me help you with this. If that's not what we're doing here, then let's all sell everything we have and go on holiday and just go to the south of France and go to the Mediterranean. I've been there, brother. And just go there and let's just do nothing. Amen. Let's go to Florida. Come to my house. We'll give you a place to stay. And let's just get season tickets to the 
uh, to Disney World. If we're not trying to take the willies of this world and see them saved, Ananias, Acts 9, and get them to a disciple, Acts 9, Barnabas, and get them to a church, Acts 9, Jerusalem, then what are we doing? Is it just a game? Why are we here? Why do we have brothers that have businesses and work hard all day and get out of work and eat a quick bite to eat and get in their car and drive through traffic to get here to church for seven? Why do we even do that? Why does this dear brother leave his family in the United States or in France and go to the jungles of Cameroon? Brother, what are you, crazy? What are you, nuts? Get a real job, brother. Just get a job. Go make a million euro a week and just enjoy life. Because if it's not about changing the willies of this world, what are we doing? You hear me tonight? What are we doing? It's about life-changing ministries. It's about one person at a time. You say, I thought you're supposed to teach. I am teaching. I just believe what I'm teaching. I'll be at the preaching in just a minute. Acts chapter 9 is a fascinating verse. And as I said when I started, I want to pretend tonight that I'm teaching to my church. You're not my church. I'm not your pastor. But the more I'm here, the more comfortable I am. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, I want to teach as if I was home. And I teach this at home. I teach this on a regular basis so that my church members have a biblical, a biblical answer for why we do what we do. Acts chapter 9. Saul runs into Ananias. He gets saved. He then goes to Jerusalem. He runs into Barnabas. Barnabas takes him to the disciples. And here's what the disciples say. Well, I don't want anything to do with him. Can I ask you a question tonight? How do you treat the new converts at this church? When someone gets saved on the street and they come here for the first time, how do you treat them? You say, well, you know, they're kind of different than us. Well, let me try this. You're kind of different than them. You're saved. You have saved friends here at the church. You're used to coming in here and sitting down and singing five verses of a song that you you know. Do you remember what it was like to be a new convert? Do you remember what it was like to be a new Christian? Do you remember what it was like to walk through the front door, come in here, sit down, and you know nobody? Do you understand how much faith it takes for a visitor to come to this church for the very first time? It's very difficult. I remember those days. You see, I pastor a church where I once was a first-time visitor. It's very unusual. I pastor a church where my wife and I were members. I was members before I was a pastor. It's an amazing, amazing thing. I remember walking in the door of church where I met my wife and knowing nobody. I had been hurt on duty. 
I'd promised the Lord when I got better, I'd go to church. I remember they met at a YMCA building, just a rented building. I remember getting out of the car and kind of limping up the front steps. We had these little cement steps. And I walked up the front steps and my right foot had been shattered. And and I remember going through the door and opening the door. My arms ached because I'd broken both my arms. And I went through the front door and I walked down the hallway. And there was a, a desk on the left where they used to sign people in and out. And, and they could get different things for the Y and uh, athletic equipment, that kind of thing. And then as I was walking down the hallway, I remember there was a soda machine right on the right. And listen, this is over 30 years ago. I remember it like it was this morning. And I remember thinking, oh man, I hope I don't have to talk to anybody. I had never been there before. Oh man, I hope that they don't start asking questions. I hope nobody remembers me from the newspaper. I hope nobody realizes that my dad goes to church here. I just want to go in, sit on the back row, and at the end of the service, just go back home because I didn't want anybody to notice me. I walk in the front door. I'm limping. I walk by the soda machine, and this young lady puts her hand out, and she says, Hi, my name is Paula Sherman. What's your name? And I said, Mike Frazier. I didn't want to talk to anybody. She said, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, no, go ahead. She said, how old are you? I said, how old do you want me to be? (laughs) And we've been married 30 years. (laughs) I remember what it was like to come in. And not know anybody. Listen to me. Can you imagine what it was like for Saul in Acts 9 to be in Jerusalem? Look at Acts 9 verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. When a visitor comes to this church, how do they feel? Do they feel welcome? Do they feel like you're excited to have them there? Listen, I'm pretending you're my church. So let me just pretend one more minute. I need two volunteers this Sunday to begin a brand new ministry. Now, in case you're wondering, I have a witness. I actually do this at my church. I need two volunteers who this Sunday will get to church 20 minutes early. You will promise to stand at the front door. And the only thing you have to do is shake the hand of every first time visitor. You say, oh, I can do that. No, hold on. There's a little bit more. When the visitor comes in to sit down, I need you to sit with them during the morning service. And at the end of the service, ask them if they'd like to go to lunch. Would they like to have a tea? Do they need anything before they leave? So I need two people right now. Two people this Sunday morning. And I'll have two people raise their hand. As a matter of fact, the first two people I did that with six years ago, met each other working as greeters in the front lobby of our church. And today they, they, they are married. They have two babies. I did their wedding. And today, uh, he actually preaches at our junior church. The very first ministry that Rodney Betchen had in our church was to shake hands with visitors coming through the front door. Today he preaches to their kids. You say, what's my point? Acts nine, Paul shows up, Saul, Shows up in Jerusalem. And the people, the disciples are like, no, oh, no. Willie, I heard of Willie. No, I don't. Saul, I heard of Saul. 
Saul's a troublemaker. I heard of Saul. I'm, listen to me. You want to revolutionize this church? You want to change your, your life? You want to meet a future wife? Stand at the front door and shake hands. Hey, listen to me. We have teenagers in our church. You're not going to believe me? I have a witness. We have teenagers at our church in Florida. I have a teenage girl in charge of our greeter program. That's what we call it. I meet with the greeters about once a month for about two seconds before the morning service. And I say, make sure every visitor gets a visitor card and make sure you shake the hand of every visitor. And I want you to spread out and sit with all the first time visitors if they're here alone. If they're with another church member, you don't need to do it. Do you know I have a 17 year old girl who has done that ministry for three years? And she has other teenagers who help her with that ministry. So that every time a visitor comes in, if they're by themselves, they have somebody to sit with them. You say, that's not a big job. Not a big job? Not a big job? What if I were to introduce you to a man named Willie Allen and his wife, Gloria? About a year and a half ago, Willie and his wife came to our church. And one of our young ladies, one of our greeters, saw them come through the door, went over, shook their hand, said, we're so glad to have you here, gave them a visitor's card, and sat with them and showed them the hymns. They weren't familiar with our hymns and this kind of thing. Well, they were saved. It turned out Willie had spent 26 years on the Florida death row for killing a man that he didn't kill. And eventually the DNA test proved it wasn't him. But Willie Allen was a Muslim imam who is now a member of our church and the assistant director of our RU program. You say, what's my point? My point is he and his wife will tell you that they, for the first time in their lives, were made to feel welcome at a church because a teenager took the time to go sit down and welcome them to the church. You want a vital ministry? When Saul comes through the door... Say, Saul, we're glad to have you here. You know, we sing hymns that talk about whosoever will may come. Just as I am without one plea. When they come through the door, let's pretend we're excited to actually see them here. Amen. Look at verse 27. Let's go back to verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him. Thank the Lord for verse 27. Because verse 27 says, Willie got saved, but there was a church crazy enough to want to try to love him and help him. Does anybody hear me tonight? Church, do you hear me pouring my heart out to you tonight? You want to make a difference in somebody's life? Let them know they're wanted at your church. Make them know they're loved at your church. Let them know, welcome home. We're glad you're here. We don't care if you're red, yellow, black, white, Austrian, Canadian, European, American, Floridian. It doesn't matter. You're a Christian or you're looking to find Christ. You came to our church and we're excited you're here. That will change you and it'll change your church. But it'll change Saul. It'll change Saul. For those of you who missed it, you say, what's he doing tonight? I'm giving you a biblical reason, a biblical foundation for church growth, church planting, and missions. And it all begun, it all begins, and it begun for Saul with Barnabas being willing to take him 
when nobody else wanted them. Can you see that in Scripture? The Bible says the disciples are like, but Barnabas took them. I thank God for my pastor, Dr. Jack Turner, because when nobody else wanted me, Jack Turner took me. I thank the Lord for Meriden Hills Baptist Church when nobody else wanted her, took my wife as a young bus kid at the age of 13. I'm talking to somebody tonight who could be a Barnabas for this church. I'm talking about somebody tonight who could fall in love with the visitors. You say it's a minor thing. How minor? Let's ask Saul. I want to remind you he eventually becomes Paul. I want to remind you that Paul eventually is used by the Holy Spirit of God to write most of the New Testament. You want to know how important that job is? Would you love to love somebody? Would you love to help somebody? Would you love to mentor, I'll use the word, somebody who eventually is used by God to write most of the New Testament? I think that'd be pretty good. You say, I don't know where he's going tonight. I'm as clear as I could be. If you're not with me, you're asleep or you just don't care. I am telling you, this will revolutionize you, your church, the people that come through this door. But Barnabas took them. Will you be the person that takes that new convert that comes through the door and says, you know what? Let me introduce you to my pastor. One of the things that we have in RU at our church, and one of the things that I really love about RU is all the time I'm signing these books of people I don't even know. They come through the door, they've come through RU, RU refers them to our church, and one of the things they have to do is meet me and have me signed. I love that. I love that. But listen to me. Maybe tonight you say, oh, God hasn't called me to preach. All right, maybe he's called you to be Barnabas. Saul gets saved. The people around him are afraid. There's lots of baggage. He's not accepted. He's got a lot of problems. By the way, can I just say this very quickly? Do you understand that when people get saved, they're coming to us with problems? I've been a pastor 30 years. I have a little secret for you. People that have been saved 30 years have a lot of problems. If you're waiting for the perfect church member to walk through the door, go sell cars. And by the way, call me when you find the perfect customer. There's no perfect anybody. The guy that's going to buy the Volkswagen has all kinds of excuses. He's not going to show up when he says he's going to show up. He never has enough money. He always wants the best deal. Sounds like a church member to me, amen? But if you're a businessman, you're going to find a way to help your customer. Why is it we don't do that when somebody comes to church? We want them to be perfect. We want them singing in the choir day one. It's not going to happen. But Barnabas took the trouble boy. Barnabas took the man that nobody else wanted. He needed somebody to work with him. He was saved, but he had spiritual needs. Now watch this. Barnabas took him. That shows action mixed with faith. He brought him to the disciples at Jerusalem. He declared to them Saul's testimony. Barnabas saw Saul's potential. He brought Saul to his people. But look at verse 30. I'm giving you a biblical foundation for church growth, church planting, and missions. Look at verse 30, Acts 9. 
Uh, Go to verse 29. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Verse 30. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. What happens? Now we have Paul going from his encounter with Ananias to his encounter with Barnabas. Barnabas brings him to the disciples in Jerusalem. The disciples don't want anything about to do anything with him, amen? Because they're, they're afraid of him. Now he starts to grow and he's sent back to Tarsus. He's sent back home. Now I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, not tonight, but at some point before we leave. But I want to say this very clearly. Your first mission field is in your home. How can a man rule the house of God if he can't rule his own house? Is my version of the King James. We have men that want to go into the church and be in charge, but they can't have the nerve enough or the faith enough to tell you the wife, you're coming to church with me tonight. You want to tell other children how to behave, but you can't get your own kids to behave. The mission field starts at home. Everybody hear me tonight? The mission field starts at home. My wife knows this is true. Many years ago, I received a phone call from a large, large church in Florida. Big church. And they said, Pastor Frazier, we'd like to have you candidate to be our new pastor. And I said, no thanks. And they said, well, we'll send you a, re- send a resume. I said, I'm not sending a resume. Well, they called me a couple of times and they said, well, can we ask you some questions? I said, sure. They said, what do you consider to be your greatest accomplishment in the ministry? And without hesitation, I said, the salvation of my five children. And they said, no, 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 you misunderstood the question. I said, I did? They said, no, professionally, what was your greatest accomplishment? I said, the salvation of my five children. And they said, no, like buildings and missions and, you know, I said, oh, I don't have any accomplishments there. But all five of my children are saved and serve God full time. And they said, oh. And I said, what's the problem? And they said, we we just don't think you understand the question. And I said, I don't think you understand what no means. I'm not interested. If you don't understand that my greatest joy, my greatest accomplishment is that my five children grew up in a preacher's home and that they're all saved on fire serving God, you don't need me and I don't need you. Click and hung up on the head deacon. It's interesting. That so many times we want to go win the world, but we're not even trying to win our own family. I'm just giving you a little introduction in case you want to miss that sermon that I'm going to preach. You say, when you're going to preach it, I'm not going to tell you just so I can get you here and you won't even know when it's coming out. Look at verse 30. They brought him down to Caesarea, sent him forth to Tarsus. Verse 31, what's the result of that? Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria were edified. That's built up. Walking in the fear of the Lord, the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Watch this. Watch this. Go to verse 22 of chapter 11 now. Jump ahead. Chapter 11, verse number 22. I'm trying to teach and preach. Watch this. Actually, go to verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spoke unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. 
And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. The tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. Watch this. Follow this. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Verse 23, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Now watch very closely. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Interesting. Paul is Saul. Get saved. Y'all with me so far? He gets saved. He goes from where he was to Jerusalem. The disciples don't want anything to do with him. Barnabas says, come with me, I'll help you get known. He introduces him to the disciples. He works with them. Saul goes back to Tarsus for a while. Barnabas is still in Jerusalem. Now there's a need in another church in Antioch. So it's decided, let's call Barnabas. Let's send Barnabas on a trip. Let's send Barnabas on a church planting uh, mission. Let's go get Barnabas. We saw Barnabas work with Saul. Let's see what he can do with an entire city. Barnabas gets to the city, and the first thing he does is say, Hey, uh, Saul, what you doing, buddy? You want to talk about the team church planting concept? Right there in Acts. They pick somebody. Here's the problem. You're looking at me tonight like, why does this matter to me? It matters to me because if it doesn't matter to you, quit the church and go home and go get a job and live for yourself. But if you care about the willies of this world, getting saved and getting into the church and getting on fire for God, which is what I thought all this was about in the first place. If you care about that, then you need to understand that the Bible teaches to do what this church is doing. And if you don't care, go back to the Catholic Church. Go be a Mormon. Go preach the wrong doctrine. But this church has to be about winning people and grounding them in the faith and accepting them and loving them and caring for them and then sending them to another town and sending somebody with them to do the work. Everybody everybody wants to be a preacher. But nobody wants to work one-on-one. I'll tell you why. Because if you stand before a crowd of 4,000 people in India and preach, they have no idea who you are or how you live. And you can be just any old scallywag you want to be. But when you're working one-on-one, you have to be genuine. That's why it's so important for every person that stands in front of the 4,000 to have a ministry of the one-on-one so you can keep it real. God used Barnabas in an amazing way. And now when Barnabas is called to go to another city, he gets on the phone and he goes, "Uh, Hey, Saul, remember me? Your buddy uh, Barnabas? I need some help down here. You say, I wonder how that turned out. Okay, quickly, let's take a look. Acts 11, 29. Then the disciples, every man... According to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. Which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. (laughs) Interesting. Very interesting. 
Now the elders are entrusting Barnabas and the new convert with the money of the church. Does anybody get, maybe it's me tonight. Maybe you're looking at me like, 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 who is this guy? You don't understand. I'm trying to give you a reason to keep doing what you're trying to do here. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm pouring my little old American heart out tonight. I'm, I'm taking my 54 years of old age and saying, listen to me. The most exciting work on the face of the earth is being done at this church. If you love the new convert and get him in here and get him trained and help them and disciple them and then put them to work and then send them out on a church planning mission and then send them out to... There's nothing more exciting. Brother, you really messed me up tonight because just when I thought I had a vision to try to help in Europe and just when I'm trying to lead a mission group in India, all of a sudden you got to introduce Cameroon to me. Now I've got to do something about Cameroon because I'm sitting next to my wife thinking, oh, this is great. Now I have one more country we need to go to. Didn't you feel it? Didn't you sense it? Didn't you see our brother stand up here by himself and present the work and say, I need to go with him. Maybe I can't go all the time, but I need to take my holiday and just go with him. If you're not, if you're not feeling that, uh, listen to me. If you're not sensing that, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. The Bible talks about being beyond feeling. Say, well, I've got a little bit, a lot of business problems. Okay, great. Heavenly Father, Lord, those that have business problems, I pray that you would help them to seek ye first the kingdom of God so all these other things can be added unto them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now will you go to Cameroon? I'll pray for you if you'll go. You're saying, well, I've got family problems. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you'd help the people with family problems that they might seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that all these things might be added unto them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now we've got the answer on the way. Will you go with him? He say, I have health problems. Okay, great. Go die on the mission field. What a great tombstone that would be. Amen. amen. You know, you got a choice. You can get killed crossing the street in Dublin or you can get killed on the field of Cameroon. Buddy, I'm going for Cameroon. No, just think about it. 50 years from now, your great, great grandchildren say, how'd granddaddy die? Oh, he was going to a pub in Dublin. He got run over by a bus. Or, my granddaddy took his vacations every year and went to Cameroon and he got killed on the mission field. Whoa, what a story, amen? Like poor brother Willie broke his leg. He can't say that he was a professional football player and he was running down the field and ran into people. No, no, bless his heart. Willie's going to have to say a bunch of old men on Monday night were playing soccer and I fell down and didn't even get run into and I was trying to kick the ball. Which story do you want? What do you want on your tombstone that you went to Cameroon for one week every year or you spent your time sitting at home worrying about everything? Buddy, I'd go to Cameroon. I'd go to Dublin. I'd go to Ireland. I'd go to Australia. I'd go to the Philippines. Lord, send me anywhere. Only go with me. I believe we just say. By the way, more lying goes on in a Baptist church than any other place. Just as I am. Oh, please. 
Lord, send me anywhere, only go with... Really? You won't go to your neighbor's house and invite him to church Sunday, and you're coming here and singing, Lord, take me anywhere? You say, you're being... No, I'm pretending I'm your pastor and you're my church members in Florida. You say, I'll bet they don't receive that well. Our church has doubled in attendance in one year. The louder I yell, the more they do. And it's not because of the yelling. It's because they know, have a pre- they know they have a preacher who's deadly serious about what he's talking about. We stand between the living and the dead. I believe that. I believe if we don't preach the gospel, nobody else will. I believe that. God could have called the angels and he didn't. He picked us. We better get to work. Or we're going to be seeing angels. You'll get that in a minute. You say, well, how'd this turn out? This, you know, Willie came through the door and they discipled them and worked with them and helped. How'd that turn out? How did it turn out where Saul came through the door and nobody wanted anything to do? We're going to have this group over here and the, uh, uh, this group of people will be this part of the church and, and, uh, the, the people from Ireland are going to sit over here and the people from Arklow are going to sit over here and the white people over here and the black people over there and the Spanish people over there and the Polish people over there. And let's take our church and divide it up. Ladies and gentlemen, you come to our church. We look like a salad bowl. Red, yellow, black, white, Indian, Spanish, Filipino. You can't tell the difference because they're all saved and they're all on fire for God. You come through the door of a church. I don't care what your condition is. Somebody should love you. That's what they did with Saul. But watch. How'd that turn out? How'd it turn out? I know. Now, listen, I don't want to get you too excited because... You know, I sl- I know sleep is precious. You know, I get too excited or anything because, you know, I know what will happen if you come forward in a few minutes and, and get right with God and decide you're going to be a Barnabas. I know what's going to happen. You're afraid your wife's going to say, oh, he's off his trolley. I heard that yesterday. I'm going to use that from now on <laughs> because it sounds a lot better than what I normally say about people. I'll say he's nuts. I'm just going to say they're off their trolley from now on. Now, I will tell you this. I've never been on a trolley. And if I was off one, I wouldn't know. But it sounds like you're saying they're nuts. Amen. So is that basically what you're saying? They're crazy. They're nuts. Amen. Well, you go ahead and think I'm off my trolley. But I want to tell you this story turns out pretty good. Watch this. Acts 11 verse 26. How did this teamwork go? And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. This is where Paul, uh, where Barnabas goes uh, to get Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Watch this. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Let me say this. Wow. Y'all with me? Wow. If you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the only place, listen to me now, the only place where the Bible says they were called Christians first was in Antioch, and it was a direct result of the work of Barnabas and Saul. Saul, the man that Barnabas loved enough to bring to Jerusalem and take care of, started working together, and they were called Christians first in the town where they stayed a year and worked together. I don't know about you, but that makes even Americans excited. 
Wouldn't you love it if the Bible said, and they were called Christians first at LifeGate Baptist Church? Whoa. That must be quite a statement for God to say that they were called Christians there first. First. The first of anything. Can you imagine that? What must have been special? Could it be that Saul knew what it meant to be saved? Could it be that Saul knew what it meant to be loved and accepted? Could it be that Barnabas knew how to help people and disciple people? Could it be they knew how to work together? Could it be that this place turned the city upside down? And God said, you know what? We're going to call them Christians first there. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if I'm making the point. I'm entirely tonight. I told Brother O'Gorman, I have no idea how to read you. I have no idea. I preach in India. I work through an interpreter. So when I preach, if they don't like my sermon, I blame the interpreter. Here I have no excuse. We speak almost the same language. Almost the same language. I'm still working on that trolley thing, but we'll, we'll get there. I want to help you. Let me help you to be called Christians first in Antioch. When you see that Saul and Barnabas stayed there working together for a year, how can you not want that for your life? How can you not say, you know what? I'm going to turn the television off and the radio off and the movies off and the music off and I'm going to turn the sports off and the games off and I'm going to be addicted to the ministry because I want God to do something special in my life for my soul and my Barnabas and my church and my country and my state and my world. Listen to me. To be called Christian first. Something must have worked pretty well. And by the way, I'm going to say it one more time so I don't forget. Barnabas didn't go alone. He took somebody with him. Your pastor himself, without us ever discussing this, said to me, our model here needs to be the team method. Brother, that's as biblical as it can be. It's right there in the book. Say, well, how'd that turn out? Watch this. We're not going to turn there for time's sake. But as you read Scripture, Saul becomes Paul and says in the book of Acts and in other places, let us go to the next town that we might preach the gospel there. And then they go to the next town and the next town and the next town and the next town and the next town. And they keep planting churches and going back and confirming the souls of those who were saved and checking on them and seeing how they're doing one by one by one by one. I have a real live brand new sermon illustration, not even 24 hours old for you. In October of this year, I led a team of 14 from my church in Florida to Wicklow Town. We were told by some missionaries, do not come to Ireland. Nobody's going to listen to you. It's going to be a waste of time. Nobody's interested. I said, okay, great. Thank you for the input. We'll arrive there in October. We showed up with 14 church members. Every single one of them paid their own way. Every expense was paid by those church members. You say, why would they go? I asked them. Why would they go? 
Because they were all serving at home. They were all ministering in their families. They were all out soul winning and knocking doors with the preacher every week. And it was very natural for them to want to do that somewhere else. We arrive in Wicklow Town. People said, don't bother. Nobody's going to come out. We had a concert at the main ballroom of the Grand Hotel. We rented it. Paid a lot of euros. The newspaper, the Wicklow people, did a big quarter-page news story with photos and everything about our team being in town. The night of the event, we prayed, and over 100 people went to that concert, including the mayor of that town. I preached the gospel at the end of the concert, and 11 adults got saved. Do you hear me tonight? Eleven. Two people who were already saved were there. They were part of a uh, kind of a non-denominational church. They were not Bible-believing Baptists. They, they wouldn't agree with the doctrine of LifeGate Bible Baptist Church at the time. But I had been to Wicklow Town. I had met them. And now I started by email confirming the souls of those who were saved, including a local businessman from the main street there named Sean. And we'll be seeing him next week when we're down there. But I began sending Bible lessons. Watch me. Nobody else wanted anything to do with them. Some of the missionaries didn't want it. The same missionaries that said nobody would show up really didn't want anything to do with them because they weren't part of their crowd. So yours truly started discipling them and praying with them and and going online back and forth and back and forth with the doctrine. And by the way, if you don't say amen, I promise you I'm probably going to walk right down the middle of these pews. Thank you. I'll miss your pew. You say, well, how'd that turn out? Well, how did it turn out with the Apostle Paul? He went to the cities, he confirmed the souls, he did the follow-up. Anybody? By the way, where did Paul learn to do that? Watch. I contend he learned that from Barnabas, the guy that did it for him. Commit thou the same to faithful men who can teach others also. Oh, by the way, that couple, how'd they turn out? My wife and I are having dinner with them Tuesday. They were here at church last night. They came forward during the invitation. At the end of the service, he came over and he shook my hand and he said, what do I need to do to become an independent Bible-believing Baptist? This is where the amen would fit. If this was your mother who got saved and left Catholicism and got in a Bible-believing church, you might be a little excited. If this was your father that got saved, if this was your child that got saved, if this is a young person, if this was somebody that mattered to you who got saved and then got right with the Lord and said, I want to believe the right thing, wouldn't you get a little excited? The missionaries said, don't go. And we ignored them. And now there are two people waiting for me to teach them how to become Bible-believing Baptists. By the way, did I mention he wants to plant a church in Wicklow Town? And we are going to connect them with Brother Oriel O'Gorman and let Brother O'Gorman be the Barnabas to them. Does anybody hear me tonight? You have a biblical reason to do what you're doing. Paul did it. Barnabas did it. It all began at the local church. We're almost done. It all began at the local church. 
Barnabas didn't take him to some big meeting. Barnabas took him to the disciples in Jerusalem. Y'all with me? I believe everything rises and falls on the local church. I believe, I believe the local church is God's means for evangelizing the world. Or the Bible would not say that Christ shed his blood for the church. I believe it. You don't have to believe it. You can be wrong and God can show you the truth in heaven. If you see him, ask him about that. They don't get that in America either. That's all right. Biblical foundation for church growth. People come through the door, love them, accept them, disciple them, train them, work with them, put them to work, watch over them, take them to dinner. Biblical foundation for team church planning, Barnabas and Saul. Biblical foundation for missions, Saul becomes Paul, goes to town after town after town after town. It started for Saul with Barnabas. With me so far? I've given you a biblical reason to do what you're doing. Now, let me bring it home. It all begins. The greatest missionary was a good church member. The greatest leader first was a great follower. You want to you do something for God? Start doing it at home. You say, well, I don't have an official position. How official does it need to be to shake a visitor's hand when they come through? How, how much Bible school training do you need to be nice to a visitor? How many degrees do you need to have in order to, to warm up next to somebody and say, can, can I sit with you this morning? How many degrees do you need? I will say this. You do need to have a body that's at least at room temperature. <laughs> Although I've been to some churches that are so dead, even a dead person would be more friendly than some of the deacons. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not picking on deacons. I have wonderful deacons. I'm just saying it's true. You go into church, you see two guys in the corner fighting with each other. You say, are they visitors? No, that's the choir members. You know, I mean, just trouble in River City. You need to learn to be a Barnabas at home first. The only people I take on the mission field with me are people who are already doing it at home. I didn't say perfect. I said, you're, you're, you're doing something for God at home. That's all. Just something. Now, church, I'm only going to be your pastor for about two more minutes. So uh, let, me, let me just give you one last little uh, word of advice here. I believe as a member of LifeGate Baptist Church, Lighthouse Baptist Church, that everybody in this church should have a ministry. Everybody. No exceptions. You say, well, what about the little kids in the nursery? Little kids in the nursery can be taught to be kind to the little nursery kids so that they'll want to come back to church the next week. If you have mean-spirited little three-year-olds running like little terrorists through your nursery, through your crash, and biting the other visitor kids, do you think mama's going to want to bring them home? If you're working in the crash, it's your job to keep those church kids. I mean this. Listen to me. My wife is sitting here. Have you not heard this for 30 years? I didn't make this up when I arrived in Dublin on Monday. I've been preaching this stuff for 30 years. All over the world. You should go into that crash as a crash worker and say it's my job to sing songs and teach them about, not just to change the nappy and to take care of them, but to love them so those kids will want to come back to church. So the visitors kids will want to go with those kids. 
So the mother will say, there's a church that cares about my children. Everybody should have a ministry. The teenagers should have a ministry. Every teenager in our Christian school has a ministry. Most of the teenagers in our church have a ministry. You say, are they all preachers? No, we don't let the girls preach. What if I were to tell you that every boy in our Christian school has a desire to grow up to be a pastor or a missionary? And every girl in our Christian school wants to be a teacher or a pastor's wife. Every one of them. You want to know why? It's the work of God by the Holy Spirit in their life. But they are encouraged and taught that everybody needs a job. Everybody. Everybody. You say, well, I'm, a, I'm in a wheelchair and I can't get around. No problem. If you're a member of my church, we have a ministry that meets on Saturday for the homeless. We were told that we could no longer go to the city parks and bring food to homeless people. So now we bring a bus on Saturday, pick up the homeless people and bring them to our church. And the disabled people in our church who cannot go door to door knocking doors, we wheel them into our fellowship hall. We take the homeless people to them. And instead of going door to door, they wheel their chair person to person. And every week we'll have five to eight homeless people saved. In the last two years, five of those men have gotten off of the drug and alcohol, have gone back home and back to work, dealt with primarily with people who don't have the ability to go door to door anymore. Everybody can have a job. We have a homeless man who wants to go door to door. Are you up? Disabled man who wants to go door to door so bad, but he can't because he's got arthritis and he's in a, and he has a walker. So you know what we do on Saturdays? We sit him at a desk with a telephone and a visitor's list. And we say, brother Wells, call all of the visitors from last week and thank them from, for, for coming to church and see if they need a ride for tomorrow. Let me just mention this. Except, now listen, you don't have to believe me, I have a witness. You call 407-678-3890 and whoever picks up the phone, ask them if this is not absolutely true. Except for the bus children, the children we pick up and bring to church, and some adults, some. Almost every member of our church who attends church on Sunday morning comes back Sunday night and Wednesday night. Our Sunday morning attendance and our Wednesday night attendance is usually only about 25 or 30 people different. Can I tell you why? It's because everybody has a ministry and they're all excited to be there and they don't want to miss anything. It all begins in the local church. It all begins with your service here. You want to go to the mission field? You say no. Great. Then make this pew your mission field. Make that pew your mission field. Say, you know what? There's nobody on this pew. All right? At the end of the service tonight, you come and pray. Stand next to this pew and say, dear God, this is my... Listen to me. You think I'm crazy. Do I preach this stuff at home? I preach this stuff all the time. I preach this for 30 years. 
You go tonight to the altar and you stand here and say, God, this is my mission field. And it is my job this year to fill this pew up with brand new converts. And I'm going to love them and pray for them. I'm going to be Barnabas. They're going to be Saul. And I'm not going to give up until this pew is filled. You say, well, where will that take me? Oh, let me see. You'll win some crowns that you can cast at the feet of Jesus. No big deal. Some people, instead of going to hell, will go to heaven. Not a big deal. Some homes that we're going to split up will stay together. You're right. Not a big deal. Your heart will get on fire for the things of God. Not a big deal. He that winneth souls is wise. You'll get wisdom that will help you in business. And Not a big deal. I would make that pew your mission field. But I will warn you. When that pew becomes your mission field and that pew is filled, you're going to have a need to go to another pew. And and next thing you know, you're going to be in Cameroon with our brother. How do you know? We were dating. Paula Sherman, Mike Frazier, worn out, beat up, injured old fireman, bus kid, started working on a bus together. Every Saturday for six or eight hours at a time, yes, ministry takes hard work. We would go knock on doors and we filled up our 66 passenger bus with little kids to the point that before we went to college, they had to buy a second bus because there wasn't enough room on the first bus. We started with one seat and then another seat. And is this making any sense tonight? Why should I care if you don't care? What are you doing here at a missions conference on a Friday night? You care. You want to see God do something for you. I'm telling you, he wants to do something for you. Learn to win souls at home. Learn to serve others at home. Listen, I don't have time to go through all this, so let me say it really quick. We have a little thing that we do on Wednesday nights. People think it's silly. It is silly. But I'm training young people to serve other people. I'll say, who has a birthday here? I'll just demonstrate. Does anybody have a birthday this week? Just... Anybody at all? Anybody have a birthday? Brother, you have a birthday. What's your first name? Wonderful. All right. That's wonderful. Okay, so you have a birthday, all right? All right, here's what I need. If the parents, if you don't mind, could I borrow all of your children, have them stand right here very quickly. Real quick. I need all the kids up here. Real quick. I'm going to show you. We do this at our church every way. Real quick, just come. You don't have to, you don't have to give anything. We're not going to take any money much from you. That kind of thing. Just go ahead. Real quick. Come right up here. This is just like our church. First time they were a little nervous. Now they come running up on Wednesday night. Here's what you're going to stand right here. Right here, okay? Who's the oldest person here? Who's the oldest? Is there anybody here that's seven? Anybody seven? Anybody eight? Anybody six? Who's six? How old are you? Nine? Nine. Nine. Is there anybody that's nine? How old are you, buddy? Six. Do we have a nine? We have a nine. Okay, I see a nine. Is there a seven? Okay, there's a nine right here. Okay, you're nine. What's your name? Honey? Holly. Holly. How are you, Holly? I have a tree named after you. That's a whole nother story. Now, here's the point. Except they have different, they have green hair and your hair is much nicer. All right, Holly, you're in charge. You're the leader of the singing group. All right. Okay. Now you guys all move up close. She's the leader. Do you know happy birthday to you? Do you sing that song here? All right. Holly, you're the boss. Shake my hand. I'm the pastor. Raise your right hand. I, Holly. And now the leader. I am the leader of the singing group. Amen. All right, she's now the leader. Okay, now folks, watch. Holly's in charge, okay? Do I not do this at home? I do this at home. 
All right, Holly, you're in charge. Ready? When she starts singing happy birthday to you, brother, you got to stand up because we're going to sing. We're going to sing to you. When they start sing, sing, happy, sing it really loud, right? Happy birthday to you. Ready? Holly, when I point to you, sing to him. Ready? Go. Woo! Woo! God bless you. Because his name's Irish and it's too hard. Happy birthday to you. Yay! Clap! Yay! Okay, go sit down. There we go. Go sit down. All right. What have I just done? I've just taught those children to be a servant to somebody else. They didn't wait for their birthday for somebody to sing to them. They sang to somebody else on their birthday. Does that make any sense? By the way, I've just taught Holly to be a leader. Holly's just learned to be in charge of people. At our church, I'll take the older boys, put them in charge of the singing groups. And next thing you know, you've got all these leaders running around the church. Does it work? I don't know. Probably not. Our church is doubled in attendance in one year. Probably not. Probably not. One of the churches that I worked with in India last year had 2.1 million people in attendance. Probably don't work. A church in Hyderabad, Good News Baptist Church, pastored by Brother Karen Kumar Bandi. Learned these principles in, uh, in November of last year. And he told me there's a re- five emails I could show you. He said there's a revival going on at his church. Because I taught these very principles in Hyderabad. Now, when you follow the Bible, it never works. It begins at home serving others. It begins at home being a steward. It begins at home sweating here because it takes hard work. It begins at home singing here. It begins at home teaching and preaching here. It begins at home praying here. LifeGate Baptist Church needs a Barnabas or two or three or four. We need some female Barnabases who will love the people that come through the door and say, you know what, this is my new friend, LifeGate Baptist Church. They'll say, how long did you know them? Oh, three seconds, they just came through the door. And then go to your pastor and say, Pastor, could I disciple them? And he'll say, well, you've only been saved three weeks. So how about if I disciple you and teach you how to disciple them at the same time? Well, where is that in the Bible? 2 Timothy 2.2. Commit thou the same to faithful men who can teach others also. It's in the Bible. You say that kind kind of dangerous, all of a sudden, you got a whole lot of people doing ministries. Yeah, and it's really sad, it's really sad to see your Sunday night crowd look like your Sunday morning, and Wednesday night look like Sunday morning. It's really sad. When recently we had a worker training day, nine hours on a Saturday, and over 60 adults and teenagers sat and listened to me teach for nine hours on how to serve other people. It's really sad. There's no excitement at all there. LifeGate Baptist Church needs some Barnabas. Who will go soul winning. Bring the convert to church. Work with your pastor to disciple the convert. Take your convert soul winning with you. Volunteer to go to Arklow. And under the direction of your pastor, do what he needs you to do to help be a help down in Arklow with Brother Ariel. Volunteer to go when the pastor says, we're going to start a new church in wherever. You say, you know what, I can't go forever, but I can go for the day. And take your convert with you. 
and then off to the mission field. And then keep doing it until Jesus comes back. There's your biblical foundation for missions. It begins with Barnabas. There's a song we sing in America called The Value of One. The Value of One. As we close, and by way of invitation tonight, we're good on time. I think we're good on time. You may not think. I feel like we're good on time. It's not midnight. That's always a good sign when I'm preaching. By the way, one day, visitor said, why do you preach so long? I said, I don't preach long. I'm actually a liberal, scallywag, coward. He said, what do you mean? I said, Paul preached so late that a guy fell asleep and fell out the window. Don't, don't tell me that, that I preach long. I haven't had anybody fall out the window yet. Although here it wouldn't hurt too bad, would it? It'd be all right. Fall right into the thing next door. Here's my point. I want to demonstrate how this works. Mrs. Frazier, if I could borrow you for a minute. I'm Barnabas. Trust me, they're Saul. They're Saul. Brand new convert. All right, sister, if you would, I'm pastor. If you would, could you disciple her for me? Thanks so much. You stand right here. Brother Willie, I won't have you get up. Brother, can I borrow you for a minute? I'm, I'm Pastor O'Gorman. Can you come over here? I need you to disciple him because trust me. Well, actually, it's got about five guys to disciple him. But all right, I need you to disciple him. All right. Now, let me see. Let me see. All right. I need you discipled, brother. So if you would come with me, I'm going to have you come over here and, and, and I'm going to have you disciple him. He's a mess. He needs your help. Amen. Just love him. And, and, and okay, great. All right. Miss Bethany, I need, if you could come over here, I need you to disciple these two girls over here. Newly saved. Holly, how are you? You look just like the girl that was singing up there. Wow. That's amazing. Are you her brother? Are you her cousin, her aunt, her mama, her sister, her grandma? Are you related to her? Really? She's laughing, girl. Okay, if, if you would sit right here, you're going to disciple them. All right? Now, so now I have Barnabas, Brother O'Gorman, walking around, finding other Barnabases, putting them with Saul. Amen? So far, so good. Here's what we're going to do. This is Brother O'Gorman. Brother Oriel needs some help over in Arklo. I need team one to come with me because we're going to do some lady soul winning this Saturday. You two, come with me. Hop the train. Get off in Arklo. Yes, you two, come this way and I will make you fishers of men. Does that sound at all biblical? Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Okay, you two stand behind here. Now you're on the train. You're headed to Arklo. Here we go. We have Barnabas and Saul headed to Arklo. All right? Now, oh, yes? Brother O'Gorman, we're going to start a church. Where? In y'all? Oh, that sounds good for a southerner. Y'all always sounds good. We're going to send somebody to y'all. Oh, you two brothers, can you come with me? I need you to hop on a train and go to y'all. You don't have to stay all weekend, but if you could go down Saturday, that would be a blessing. Now you're over here. Now, by the way, some of you who aren't sure about this are thinking, if we're taking all the church members and sending them out, where are we going to get new ones? Hello. Hi, my name's Dave. This is Mike. Do you ever think about spiritual things? You're going to go soul winning and the people you lead to the Lord today, a year from now, will be on the train headed to the mission field. What? 
The church is going so well, we need help. Brother missionary, Willie, I know you can't do it, but brother missionary, if you will come up here. Come up here. Here we go. I need a preacher to come over here, if you would, and work with these guys. They have fallen in love with Brother O'Gorman and Arklow, and they want to help him. So if you could help him out. Okay, you too. You have to get home. You have children to care for. So go ahead and go. Miss Bethany, could you bring your team up here? They can only stay a few hours. Listen to me. The pastor's role is not to do all the work. The pastor's role is to train you to do the work. He's the conductor pushing the buttons, saying, I need you to go here. I need you to go there. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? It's in the book of Acts. It's what they did. It's how the gospel made it here. And now you're on the train. Ready? Go like this. Holly, have you noticed I'm the only one moving on this train? Ready? Go ahead. Great. Go like this. What are you doing? The train stopped. I'm not bouncing now. Okay. What's my point? Ladies and gentlemen, it's that simple. It truly, really is. God laid on my heart to... Thank you. You all can can have a seat. Thanks. God laid on my heart to start a church in the south of our city about 20 to 30 minutes. I'm going to close with this. 20 to 30 minutes away from where our church is located. You say, who are you going to get to do that? I turned around. I saw one of my deacons who is saved on fire, out soul winning, taking care of his family, and has gone with me to India on the mission field. And I said, Brother Cyrus, thou art the man, come with me and I will teach you to start a church in South Orlando. Brother Chip, you're working on your family, God's blessed you. You love the Lord. I need you two to go together to South Orlando. You say, how that, how is that working? Yeah, not real well. Not real well. Brand new church has had a high day of 60, averaging in the high to mid, high to mid twenties, has enough offerings every week that they're self-sustaining and paying their own way. Hadn't worked out well at all. Preacher, what are you, what are you telling us? To, what, what is the point of this? Other than getting yourself all worked up and getting everybody all excited and embarrassing poor Willie, what is all this about tonight? I'm giving you the biblical foundation for church growth so it'll bless your church, church planting so you can plant others and missions. It begins with one Barnabas. One. Now, I know you're not excitable. And nobody here would like to reach someone who writes most of the New Testament. I I know. That would be just a little too much excitement to take. But what if you could touch the life of one Willie? Would it be worth it? It is to Willie. It was to Saul. Let's pray. Father, tonight I promised that I would teach the biblical foundation of how to grow a church.
how to plant the church and missions. And that I would preach to try to encourage and reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And that's what I've tried to do. And whether or not I've succeeded is not my concern. I ask the Holy Spirit to take your word that it might not return void. I would pray you'd work in the heart of every person here tonight. Dear God, I pray that you might rise up and touch the hearts of many people to be a Barnabas tonight. Who tonight will come forward and then go stand next to a pew and say, this is my mission filled until filled and then I take another pew. This is the calling on my life to stand with my pastor and say, Pastor, where do you need me? What can I do? And to stay faithful until the day comes. Maybe God will touch your heart someday to go down and help on Arklow and help across Wicklow and help across Ireland. And then maybe someday, not too long from now, I can call Brother O'Gorman and say, Brother, I have a team going into Dubai next week. Do you have two men that you can send with me? Two men that you can send to help with the work. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a woman and your job tonight is to go go home and love your husband and love those young men in your life until God gets a hold of their hearts. Make it easy for them to be able to serve. Our dear brother does not spend long periods of time in Cameroon unless he has a wife that stands with him and makes that possible. Maybe you'll come tonight and say, I'm saved, and tonight I've got a new vision. I've got a new purpose. I see it clearly in the Bible. My calling is to be a Barnabas here at home for every visitor that comes through the door. It's to make myself available to my pastor to get the work done at home so that we might reach the world. In just a minute, I expect you to respond. By the way, you will you will make a decision tonight. You're going to you've already made a decision. Tonight you'll decide to obey the word of God, come forward and be a Barnabas, or tonight you will reject once again the call of God on your life and say I'm just content living for myself. So you're going to make a decision. But I will remind you, he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap destruction, and he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Those of you who respond to God's call will find God's blessing on your life, and those of you who reject God once again will find yourself fighting against God's call. God wants us all to be a Barnabas in our local church. In just a minute, I would expect you to come forward, get on your knees at this altar, And have a very serious talk of surrender with God. And say, God, take me anywhere. Just go with me. I'll follow you. Just sustain me. Not yet, but as soon as the music plays. I plead with you. To come and let God speak to your heart. Surrender to him tonight to be a Barnabas. If you're here tonight, you're not sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. Why don't you come tonight and learn that you're a sinner, that Christ died on the cross for your sin. He paid for your sin, was buried and rose from the dead. You come tonight and speak to the pastor and allow him to show you what the Bible says about salvation. Let's all stand.
Do we have a Barnabas in the room tonight? Do we have a Miss Barnabas in the room tonight? If so, as the music plays, you come quickly, please.